This is Florida Matters. I'm Steve Newborn. When you think of Florida, what comes to mind? Most likely are beaches, sun and surf, maybe a margarita or two, maybe even one of our two championship sports teams. When you think about high tech, your mind is more likely to wander to Silicon Valley, the Route 128 corridor outside Boston, Austin, or the North Carolina Research Triangle. Well, think again. A new study from Forbes magazine shows Tampa as the top emerging technology city in the country. Not New York, not Miami, not even San Francisco. So where did this come from? We'll unravel that mystery with Lauren Coffey. She's the Tampa Bay Inno reporter and a reporter at the Tampa Bay Business Journal. Lauren, welcome to Florida Matters. Thank you for having me. You know, first of all, I'd, I'd imagine that INNO stands for innovation, right? It sounds like it must be just a, a really fascinating beat here. Oh, yeah. So I came at the end of 2018. I think any time before that, I might have been a little bored covering tech down here, but it slowly was building upon itself. And then 2020 hit and just took off. Everyone was coming down here from New York and Silicon Valley, like you mentioned, the more traditional tech hubs. And yeah, I've been very, very <laughs> busy ever since. It's been a fun time. So maybe the pandemic may be a bad thing for a lot of people, but in one sense, at least for the Tampa Bay area, it's really spurred our uh, our high-tech scene. A lot of people are coming here because they find they don't no longer have to pay those huge rents in the Northeast or in California, right? And it's a lot cheaper to live here. Yeah. Someone mentioned that they'd rather look at the window and see a palm tree versus snow. And so that's always kind of stuck with me. But no, a lot of people wanted to come down because Florida was open when a lot of places weren't, especially with schools. And then the whole tax situation and says so between Texas or Florida. And I think Miami was looked at for a lot of people, but Tampa is a little more family friendly and they want to kind of settle down here. And then one friend moves down and then all the friends move down. And it's been kind of a domino effect since. So let's talk about the, the tech scene here. What is the first thing that comes into your mind when you think about the tech scene here in Tampa? Is there one thing in, in particular or is there a bunch of little things going on? Up? Like in terms of industries? Yeah. Um, cybersecurity is a big one. I wrote about that when I first came here because you have like uh, ReliQuest with Brian Murphy and Align and Know Before, obviously, which is now a publicly traded company. So that's a big one that's not very talked about because it's not very sexy. It's <laughs> cybersecurity is not the most interesting thing, but they make a lot of money and they're really making a name for themselves. And then blockchain is a big one too that's really emerging and kind of ours for the taking. It's that in Miami. We're kind of going back and forth and working together as well when it comes to bringing attention toward that crypto, like more emerging technology stuff. Cybersecurity is, you just hear so much about this in the news, all these companies being held ransom. So that's that's a really hot thing right now, isn't it? Yeah. No, they've already been like popular, obviously, but then COVID happened and th- there's going to be a trend with this interview, but they just took off too. And they've been hiring like crazy. I know ReliQuest is moving to Water Street now and taking like a whole floor, I believe. Um, so they're really, really growing fast. So let's talk about Water Street Tampa. This is the $3 billion plus development headed by Jeff Vinnick, the owner of the Tampa Bay Lightning, with some help from Bill Gates, mm-hmm. right, the Microsoft co-founder. You've written that it has technology built into its DNA since day one. Talk about a little of that if you could. Yeah, so it's cool. I mean, I'm not a real estate person. That's not my beat or my coverage area. But to me, it seems pretty unique where they have like a 3D modeling system. And you, if you're a tenant or you want to have your office move there, they can show you physically like here's stage one, here's stage two, and here's where you can be. So it really helps kind of visualize it where it's, I mean, now it's kind of full blown, but back in the day, it was just a piece of land or it's a little harder to visualize. They also have an app um, that connects everyone. And they also, I think, just got certified for a digital infrastructure. So it basically makes it easier for tenants and business people alike to just to have connection constantly, which is what we all need, especially in this remote age that we now live in. 
Well, it certainly has transformed the look of downtown, but this comes at the same time where a lot of people are predicting the death of downtowns, at least for business. Mm-hmm. The transformation of downtowns from Class A office space to more residential. Are people really going to flock to Water Street, mm-hmm. or are they going to still sit at home and start pounding away in their laptop and, you know, in their, in their pajamas? I think they're flocking, definitely. I think Tampa is unique in the sense that we're very, very culture focused and culture to a lot of people means coming in the office, whether it is hybrid or not. Um, They want to have people coming in and working together. And you can look at the stats like Water Street's filling up really, really fast, especially from people from New York City and Silicon Valley. They don't want to come to Florida and sit in their apartment. They really want to experience what Tampa has to offer. This is kind of a good compromise for them where it's a little New York City feel without the price tag. And I still like having that kind of, you know, person-to-person, face-to-face thing like we're doing right now right. instead of having to look over the, the screen, right? That, that counts for something still. Yeah, definitely. I think I mentioned that to a lot of people. I'm like, why require people to come in? Like, you know, you can't build a relationship over Zoom. You can chat a little bit, but these little intangible moments that you have, whether you're walking to get water from your break room and, like, you see someone has a shirt that they like, there's, like, little things that really add up over time. Tell me about the uh, uh, the typical high tech entrepreneur. Is this a stereotypical, <laughs> you know, white male sitting in his basement? Well, there are no basements here. Sitting in his, sitting in his room within in his pajamas again. There's that theme going on. Or are we seeing it branch out more into women, maybe more minorities? Uh, what's what's the scene here in the Tampa Bay area? Yeah, I think we do have a good diverse group of people, um, especially of women and people of color. I think. The typical people you think of, the white men um, in their 20s to 30s, are the ones who get more attention just because statistically they get more funding than women and people of color. Um, but I try and tell stories of everyone. I think a lot of startup organizations also try and lift those people up who normally wouldn't and give the resources that they haven't previously had access to. So I think there's definitely efforts being made in the tech scene here. It's just there's always more to be done, though. Tell me some more about those the, 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 the startup organizations, the people that help them out, the... Uh, mm-hmm. Capitalists, what's the what's the term here I'm looking for? The people who fund these things? Oh, like, oh well, there's capitalists or the funders, investment firms. But then there's also startup supporters like Embark Collective and Tampa Bay Wave. And those are the ones that are like the incubators and accelerators, which in normal people terms just means that they help you. All right. Let's talk about that Embark Collective. That's uh, that's also for one of Jeff Vinnick's big projects here. Mm-hmm. I think you uh, wrote that they have more than 100 startups in its roster. Tell me how that whole thing works. Yeah, I mean, they're doing really cool stuff. They work as coaches. Um, and so if you're a startup founder, you go to them, you get assigned like a mentor, and they really just help you grow. And it's early stage people who are kind of new at this, and they have a good idea, and Ember kind of steps in and takes them to the next step. But yeah, Jeff did a very cool thing when he funded Embark back in 2019, and they opened up to the public, and they've really been helpful in getting people to move down here and kind of waving the Tampa Bay tech flag. And is it I don't know, you in an office, you in a booth. What's the what's the physical scene look like? With At Ember Collective? Yeah, yeah. It's a cool um, innovation hub is what they call it. But mm. you have personal offices and there's also co-working spaces and there's an event space that I've hosted events there before. And so it's kind of a big collaborative thing where, like we said, like with culture and stuff, people just talk to one another and then you can say like, oh, well, I have an engineer that needs like a job and here you go. You need an engineer that works out. So, Is, is there any outreach being done specifically for women and minorities, specifically for them to, to give them a leg up on competition? Because, you know, with all this, a lot of this, as we know, runs on personalities, who you know, instead of what you know, right? Right. And like you invest in people who look like you, unfortunately, and a lot of people in the investment scene 
are white older men. So um, this is coming from like me as a white person. But no, Ember Collective and Tampa Bay Wee, which is another startup supporter, they um, have this organization called um, Tech Rising Women Accelerator Program, which helps women in tech specifically. And then Tampa Bay Wave also for a long, long time has had this thing called Tech Diversity Cohort, which is if you are a company that's 51% owned by a woman, um, person of color, LGBTQ plus or veteran, then you get in their program and they do really cool work and help introduce you to investors and people you normally wouldn't talk to. So efforts are being done by them, definitely. Do you see this effort as outlasting the pandemic when this is all over? Will things go back to normal? People are going to go back to, you know, Silicon Valley? Or do you think this is really the genesis of something brand new here in this area? I don't know. I'm curious about that. I think in Tampa, I don't know a lot of people who come to Tampa and leave. (laughs) I know a lot of people who come here and they stay. They put their roots down versus places that are flashier, like Austin or Miami. They do come for five years and they get kind of tired of the scene and then move somewhere else. But I think now that people are here, everyone I've, I've talked to is very, very interested in staying here and creating roots and also building up the scene as a whole and really wanting to make an impact versus just building a company in New York City in some co-working space where you don't really make an impact. Right, because one of the reps on the Tampa Bay area has traditionally been, you know, you go to school here, you learn a lot of things, you meet a lot of people, and then when you graduate, you go somewhere else, mm-hmm. right? You go to where, where the action is. Is this where the action is now and people are going to stick around? I hope so. I know a lot of um, tech companies and tech CEOs that are reaching out to USF right now specifically and University of Tampa and saying, like, let's build this talent pipeline because there is a missing link where you have all these companies now, but there's no one to hire. And they say, like, it's fine to have people come remotely and they'll relocate here, but why not use the talent that's already here that knows what this whole city is like? And so I think there's definitely efforts being made. Um, that time will tell with that one. I think it's a weird time right now to see if they're going to stay or go. All right. One of the driving factors in all this is uh, is in the medical industry. Uh, you recently reported that Tampa General Hospital is launching a $15 million innovation-focused investment fund. Mm-hmm. Is that considered unique to this area, or is maybe that a harbinger of things to come? No, it's for sure unique in um, Tampa Bay. It's pretty unique in the medical space as well. I know there's one in Nashville that just launched and a couple others, I think, in Boston. But in terms of Tampa Bay, yeah, it's it's brand new. And they're doing a cool thing where it's investing both within the hospital and outside the hospital. So it's really kind of building innovation on both levels. And because you can't really be an organization that big anymore and not have tech like at your core. Lauren, you mentioned uh, you know blockchain and crypto earlier. Uh, you recently delved into how the Tampa Bay area is becoming this, this hub for cryptocurrency. A lot of the uh, financiers have flocked to our region. Is the same factors luring them here as well as other high technology? Is there any other factors involved in getting crypto in this area? I think it's kind of the same. I think a lot of people I've talked to have said, you know, we don't really have a place for taking and we don't have a blockchain hub and we'd like to make Tampa one. And a lot of people have mentioned um, places like Embark Collective and our mayor, Jane Castor, as being really open to the idea of crypto and blockchain. I know Jane Castor mentioned she'll be taking, I think, two months of pay through Bitcoin, which is like unheard of in the government sector. And so I think it just is nice that they see like, you know, Tampa and Florida specifically are willing to do this. And so why wouldn't we want to come down here and work together? Any other insights you can give our listening audience? You know, you've been following the tech scene uh, pretty closely for a number of years. Any, anything you'd like to relay as, as far as your observations uh, on the whole vibe of the whole thing? I think just stay tuned. I think this is just the beginning, and a lot of people are now finally noticing Tampa as a tech scene, but it's been around for a long time, long before I came here three years ago, and it's going to be even bigger in the next five years. People say that we're going to be the new Austin or the new Atlanta, which is crazy to think about. And I think that's going to have a bigger impact than just a lot of entrepreneurs here. It's going to be the water streets and the bigger, you know, 
buildings and making Tampa just really a place that people across the world are going to know. Well, you heard it here first. Get in on the ground <laughs> floor while you still can, right? Mm-hmm. Well, thanks to Lauren Coffey. She's the Tampa Bay Inno reporter and a reporter at the Tampa Bay Business Journal. Lauren, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. Coming up after this short break, we'll talk about what's being done in Tampa's high-tech corridor, which includes one of the poorest areas in the entire Tampa Bay region. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Florida Matters. We're continuing our look at high-tech in the Tampa Bay area on Zoom with Mark Sharp. He's a Tampa native born at MacDill Air Force Base, a former Hillsborough County Commissioner, and currently is the Chief Potential Officer, I just love that title, for IP, the Tampa Innovation Partnership. Welcome to Florida Matters. Honored to be here. Thank you, sir. Thanks so much. So, you know, your website describes the partnership as a unified force with a tenacity to build a walkable and bikeable district, spur a more sustainable economy, and establish global credibility. That's a tall order for an area centered on the University of South Florida's Tampa campus. So, Mark, describe for our audience just what you all do. Well, that's a great question. Uh, The organization was created in 2011 uh, when I was still a county commissioner. Uh, in part because we had these powerful, amazing institutions um, in the University of South Florida, we called it at the time, area. But we weren't really bringing the institutions together very well. We were not working uh, in a coherent uh, manner to um, work collectively together for the betterment of the community and the residents. And so I took over the organization in 2015 became its director, didn't like all these executive director titles. So I just said, let's make it, we come up with different titles. And so I'm the chief potential officer um, and I've got a gentleman who controls all of my scheduling and he's ground control. And we work together with several others to um, lift up the, um, the community. We're very excited about what has happened since we've stepped in. And there's some very exciting things that are going to be taking place very soon. Before we talk about that, tell me about the name change. So we got a little tidbit of news here. Uh, you're no longer going to be called the uh, Innovate, Innovation Partnership. What's the new name going to be? That's a great question as well. Uh, so the organization, Tampa Innovation Partnership, is a 501c6. We've created a new entity. We're not going to do away with the C6, but we're going to create and become a C3, and that's Soaring City. And so Soaring City IP is now going to become the um, overarching organization, and its mission is to lift up the uh, Uptown District. Uptown, okay, that's the new uh, new name for the area that's centered west of the University of South Florida. Now, um, you know, I I've been around long enough where I lived there when it was called Suitcase City uh, because of the transient nature of all the people there. Um, this is this is a, a a tough nut to crack as far as lifting up this particular area. It's composed mostly of minorities, poor people, not a lot of education. So how does the whole high-tech thing fit in with the people who live in that area? That's a very important question. You've been asking great questions and important questions. And let me um, try to uh, begin to explain that not just in our 
metro, but in many metros across the country. And I had a chance when I was a commissioner to travel east, west and go to Silicon Valley and Research Triangle Park and go to Philadelphia, U City Square, St. Louis, the Cortex, to see all these innovation districts. And what oftentimes happen is that the districts find themselves in areas that have a higher income level and such. And the, and the, and the individuals that are able to benefit from those districts oftentimes themselves uh, well-educated, um, well-connected. We really believe that the technology that is going to begin to change the world, we talk about the technology that's already changing the world, but new tech that's coming in, uh, whether it's quantum technology, artificial intelligence, machine learning, and how that's going to be used in this creation. I mean, Facebook's talking about the meta and the metaverse and mirror world and We've got to be able to take that technology and pipe it into the community, into the neighborhood, to the people who literally make this country work. And that's what we found during the pandemic, was that when you have the shutdown, who are your essential workers? (laughs) They were the rank and file. They're the people who stock shelves, drive trucks, uh, serve in our military, but serve in healthcare, frontline, not just the doctors, but the nurses. And and where do they come from? I can tell you where they come from. They come from Uptown. You know, that you know, many of us, we could afford to work in our homes and work online and do Zoom calls and team calls. And that the frontline worker, they're found in the Uptown district. And we want to make sure that the frontline workers benefit from this next revolution, which is going to take place And we think that by bringing together the technology and the companies and these fabulous institutions and the residents, we can lift up the nation. We can begin to recreate the middle class and help lift people from the middle class into, you know, a higher income level if that's where they choose to go. But that's what's going to, I think, be the glue that holds this nation together. And so it's a fabulous mission. And we're zeroing in on the population that needs it the most. And it's the population that, quite frankly, has been ignored. Um, you know, we are trying to build walkways. You got Riverwalk to the south. That's awesome. We need walkways. We need paths. We need um, access to accelerators and incubators and all the things that can um, benefit a community. We're bringing it to Uptown. Well, it's interesting you just mentioned, you know, bringing back the middle class. Uh, the middle class, as you know, has been under assault, basically, uh, since the 1970s when manufacturing started going offshore, overseas, and um, a lot of those those middle-class jobs, jobs that you didn't need a really high education um, to to achieve, they, they kind of just all went away. You're talking about brain power, right? You're talking about using your mind, stuff that doesn't have necessarily have to be manufactured, but maybe imagined. Am I getting that anywhere near correct? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're talking about everything from what I found in the um, in the Uptown District is that you've got a lot of uh, individuals who graduated from the University of South Florida or who have benefited from the university who live nearby. And they are artists and they're creators and designers and such. And so we're excited because as we uh, begin to uh, talk more about uh, Diamond View Studio and The View, which is doing digital work right there at Rhythm, which is the old university mall now called Rhythm Research, Innovation, Technology, Habitat, and Medicine, located right on Fowler Avenue, that we're going to be able to provide opportunities for our a very creative community, very artistic and such, to benefit and be able to get into the realm of digital technology. But as well, you know, it's just you can now go to work at a McDonald's and you're going to walk in and see a kiosk 
And that kiosk is going to allow the person to interface with a machine. So the person who works there needs to be able to understand how to program computers or make prepare them or at least engage them. And so I'm very excited because what we're going to find is that individuals who are repairing air conditioners, working in what used to be very mundane jobs are going to find themselves highly technical. And we want to make sure that the residents who live in our neighborhoods have access to the training and the systems so that they can learn how to work them and then work in these jobs and have a higher income potential. You know, earlier you alluded to some uh, some special projects you all have going on. Could you uh, enlighten our listeners what some of those might be? Well, we have a lot of things that are happening right now. We're very excited to be partnering with the Florida Department of Transportation on the planning that they're doing for Fowler Avenue. I cannot overstate how important this is going to be. Uh, as a 18-year-old um, student, when I was driving to uh, the University of South Florida in my uh, Plymouth Fury 3, you know, it was a giant tank, four doors, I'd head down Fowler and I'm like, my goodness, I'm heading towards the University of South Florida, but what can we do about this road? And that was a long time ago. Um, when I was stationed at McDill Air Force Base at Central Command getting my master's, I got my master's at USF. I felt the same way as I would drive into the university. Couldn't we do something about Fowler? As a county commissioner, I'm like, oh my goodness, I, there's no excuses here. I mean, I'm getting old and we still haven't done anything about Fowler. So now our partners are all coming together and um, FDOT uh, District 7, David Gwynn, who's the, um, the director of District 7, deserves tremendous amount of credit for saying to the organization, we got to rethink the way we move people and we got to rethink how our roads look and we got to make them safer because it's one of the more dangerous roads in the nation and we we can create a boulevard. And so a lot of really um, fabulous community activists have talked about, could you boulevard an interstate? You know, how can we boulevard 275? Well, I'll leave that debate for other people. But I went to them and said, hey, we can boulevard Fowler Avenue. Let's do that. And to the credit of the Florida Department of Transportation, they're now going to be working with us and we're going to ask the community to engage in 2022 and be part of these conversations because we're all going to come together and say, how do we envision Fowler? I envision it being cooler, literally cooler, like with green space on, on the road and transit lanes that are designed just for transit vehicles. And we're going to want to encourage electric vehicles and we're going to have shuttles and circulators, lots of bikes and such. But the goal is get people out. Um, and then when it's when you have inclement weather, we'll have other transit systems, but put them on Fowler in a safe fashion. And then for those who still need to drive their cars, you'll have the opportunity to do that. Yeah. So the whole point here is making things less car centric, more people centric. Hopefully this won't have to wait for autonomous vehicles whenever that's going to happen. Right. We'll be ready for them when it does. So it sounds like the whole idea here is to keep young professionals who traditionally in the past have migrated to more high tech friendly places, you know, California, Boston, Austin, wherever. Keep them here at home. Right. Uh, give them give them a reason to stick around. Absolutely. Again, back to my county commission days, um, after I figured out, you know, how to sit down at the dais and vote, I started thinking, what am I going to do? And I really got excited about trying to help Tampa transform from a metro that was comfortable with back office jobs. You know, we were focused on tourism, a lot of home building because we were growing rapidly. 
But all those exciting tech jobs that you would read about and hear about coming out of Silicon Valley or New York and Boston, Atlanta, uh, Miami's beginning to pick up, Jacksonville, here was Tampa. We needed to do something. And so to the credit of Hillsborough County, and the county deserves a tremendous amount of credit, uh, the commissioners and, and the economic development staff, Ron Barton, who was directing uh, the economic development for Hillsborough County, said we need a program that supports the startup community. We want to attract the big companies, the big tech companies, but let's support our own startups, our own local companies. We created a, comp a program called EDI2, which still exists, Economic Development Innovation Initiative. And that seeded money to those entities that wanted to support the startup community. And we uh, supported a number of organizations, the Tampa Bay Wave, which is now downtown. We created the uh, Entrepreneurial Collaborative Center, which I got to have my name put on. But it was all about supporting the growing startup community in Tampa. And I'll tell you, in short order, we went from a community where we were never in the rankings for the most exciting metros for tech startups to now we're ranking in the top 10. In fact, we're, you know, because of the work Jeff Vinnick has done downtown and let's give Lakshmi Shinoy and Embark Collective a lot of credit for all the work they're doing downtown, downtown, uptown, midtown, all coming together. We're on the startup map prize. You know, Mark, there were probably some raised eyebrows when you first mentioned this idea years ago, right? People are thinking, oh, my God, Suitcase City, nothing's ever going to change there. Did you ever have any doubt that you were going to have this kind of success that you're seeing today? This is what I dreamt of doing my entire life. I wanted to do this. Uh, people talked about what I run for this office or that office. I enjoyed being a county commissioner. I got to do that for 10 years. But I really wanted to pour myself into a community that had been ignored, but that can contribute so much to our country. And I'm confident that if we can figure it out here in Hillsborough County and in the Uptown District, and, you know, I won't use the words, you know, you, you, the, the words and how you described it, you know, that name that they gave the Uptown District, I hated that. And I'm like, you know what? I would be talking to companies. I'm like, I need you to come to this area. And they go, wait a minute, that's called this name. And I'm like, whoa, we got to change that. So I never doubted. And now what I'm seeing is the turn is happening. I spent, this is a 24 seven, it's like playing rugby or football. It's, it's a slog, it's hitting, it's, you know, you get bloody noses and busted lips and you got to fight for your district. But through the fight and partnering with Sarah Combs and the UACDC and all of our other partners, what we're seeing is that the turn is being made. And we're creating residential units now, Uptown Sky and other projects where people can live here and stay. We're going to create high wage, high tech jobs. We knew we could always do it. We're doing it. You got success stories like Yingling that are coming in and going, we want to stay. You got Moffitt building a major hospital right there on McKinley saying, we want to stay and grow. And so it's happening. Uh, we have a lot of work ahead of us. I can't say it's going to be done in five or 10 years. It's still... We've got many years ahead, but I can tell you it's going to happen. And then we're going to have folks from all over the world benchmarking right there at Uptown and going, coming to our district and saying, hey, what can we learn from you and how can we replicate what you're doing in our cities so that they can make themselves uh, stronger and close that the disparity and in the income gap, which I think is really causing a lot of damage. All right. Mark Sharp is the chief potential officer for what is now the Tampa Innovation Partnership, soon to be Soaring Cities. Thanks so much for joining us on Florida Matters. 
Hey, Florida does matter. And you've got a great show and you're a great questioner. I really enjoyed it and just wish everybody a happy holiday season. And that's it for today's show. Our thanks to Lauren Coffey and Mark Sharp for their insights on the high-tech scene. And thanks to our producer, Denora Prevost, and our engineer, Blake Bass. I'm Steve Newborn. We'll catch you next week on our next edition of Florida Matters. 